your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Talk and Power Podcast. It is episode 136 and I am your host, Nick DeCembri. I find myself sitting here by myself at this current point waiting for Todd and Simon to turn up, but we're going to kick this podcast off. Uh, If you're listening to us on 88.5 FM, good morning. I hope you are having a great Saturday. Uh, For those of you that are listening to us as a podcast, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening to us right across the planet. I want to kick things off with Formula One Um, this week testing times for formula one i'm really curious to know what everyone else thinks out there in regards to the formula one season and well the season hasn't commenced yet but um in terms of some of the things that have happened in the off season been really interesting one of the interesting things um nikita mazepin i want to know what you think about that uh he's departure or his sacking from the Haas team. I'd be really curious to know what our listeners think about that. Um, Did Haas really have a choice? And is it one of those situations where I guess your talent... If, if Had Nikita been talented enough and had the runs on the board, would that come into question his Russian background i mean they've let him go his father is a major sponsor of the vehicle uh so clearly his father was no longer in a position to pay for his spot in the team but had nikita been good enough would he have still had his spot there i don't think this has got to do with the war in the ukraine it it may be to a certain extent but losing his spot uh tell us what you think because i'd be really curious to know what um what our legions of fans out there think about his departure from the house and he hasn't gone quietly either it's getting pretty ugly between himself and gunther steiner uh some of the commentary going backwards and forwards we've since found out that uh, nikita used to talk to the team quite poorly and some of the engineers and and some of the staff there as well so he certainly didn't do himself any favors and i I honestly believe his removal is more based on his performance but let us know what you think there it's been really interesting myself and a few of my friends where we're big big ferrari fans you probably picked up on that uh, but I'm really curious to know what our listeners think of Ferrari's performance in these in the testing, in, particularly in Bahrain. Um, do we carry much hope for them? I was watching a documentary, and uh, they have picked up some notable gains in the engine department. So I'm really curious to know what people think about whether this gain that they've had in the off season. Uh, especially in the turbo technology and, and moving some of the components in the turbocharging uh, side of the car around to, for it to run cooler. Are these going to actually make some difference in testing? Uh, it was really interesting to see that Charles Leclerc was second in in official by day three of testing. So just for those that are playing along at home, Max Verstappen topped the charts. This was after day three in Bahrain. So Max Verstappen topped top the charts. Charles Leclerc in the second spot and Fernando Alonso in the third. George Russell was the first of the Mercedes. So I don't know. We, I don't know if we should take too much away from that. 
I'm also curious to know what everyone thinks of the new side pods on the Mercedes-Benz. So they did, the second day of testing in Bahrain, they turned up with a car that had notice, noticeably different side pods to what they had in their previous test session. So the car has significant changes in the in the air induction in the in the side pods. Um, clearly, they have found some gains there. Didn't really show in testing, but Ferrari are very, very um, cat and mouse when it comes to testing. So Toto Wolff and the Mercedes team would not be showing all their cards so early in the season. So um, it would be really interesting to see how how the Mercedes goes. Um, so the housing, is, it's housed quite a big radiator inlets. It's dramatically narrower now and uh, it slants heavily inwards at the top when viewed from straight on. This forms a narrow vertical triangular slip for the radiator inlet. So yeah, really interesting to see how that pans out. One of the other things I was really impressed with is um, Oscar Piastri's elevation to official backup driver for McLaren. So is it possible we could be seeing him this weekend? in uh, Bahrain. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, for those that are not didn't know, is tested positive for COVID, so we're not sure how long he's going to be out for. So it'll be interesting to see if Oscar Piastri gets a drive. So from one Aussie to another, congratulations, Oscar, and uh, you're certainly deserving of it, and we sincerely look forward to seeing you out there. So, yeah, look, I mean, that's a bit of Formula One news that's happening at the moment, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the season pans out. I'm... As you know, uh, a lot of the listeners to the Talk and Power radio show and podcast know that I'm a big fan of Formula One and that, um, you know, I'm really hopeful that they can do some really great things. All right, well, we're going to take a short break here and we'll be back with more of the Talk and Power podcast right after this. All right, episode 136 of the Talk and Power podcast and hello to wherever you're listening to us uh, around around the world um nhra gator nationals it's probably the second or maybe third biggest event of the year for for drag racing fans uh it was also the first round for nhra pro mod really interesting to see steve jackson has named his new car seal so congratulations that was he run that as a fan competition his legions a fan they named his car lucille so big fan of the blues and lucille ball so well done there. It's also great to read um, Paul Lee, funny car driver Paul Lee's come on board as one of the official sponsors and um, FTI Performance have um, come on board as one of the sponsors for Pro Mod. That was that was great. Really big rain in the in the, at the Gator Nationals for Thursday and Friday, so they had to compress the entire event right into basically um into into just basically two days which would have been very very difficult but i must say big congratulations to trip tatum uh his his first win in top fuel let's have a listen to trip here this was at the top end of the track when they interviewed him congratulations to trip let's have a listen to this right here you've thought about this moment you've dreamt of being a national event winner what is this moment how does it compare to what you pictured uh, it's almost a loss for words. Uh, um, I'm just very thankful. Um, 
Hey, Bob, we did it! Really interesting um, top-end interview there from Trip Tatum, and congratulations to him. That's his first win ever in top fuel, so, um, you know, absolutely magnificent pass. Uh, in Funny Car, we had Matt Hagen take his first win driving for Tony Stewart in the in the Funny Car, and uh, we, alongside a, a crew member, uh, Dickie Venables, um, crewing on the car. Let's just have a listen to first Tony Stewart here at the top end of the track after Matt Hagen's. Oh, this was at the start of the, sorry, on the start line. Tony, I can spin you around here for one second. What does this mean to you to get your first victory as a team owner here in the NHRA? Well, it's because of this guy right here, Dickie Venables, uh, Mike Knutson, Alex Conaway, all these guys. Uh, we got an awesome OEM that supports us and uh, we got a great group of guys. This is this is his team. I just got to piggyback it and bring it down the street to our shop. But this guy's the one that's done all the work. And uh, we got a pretty cool guy driving that race car, too, that knows how to manhandle it when he needs to. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. He's collecting that Wally. Eric Godet from the Chambers of Commerce already put the medallion around his neck. Tony Stewart Racing gets their very first NHRA win. You also gave them their very first number one qualifying. But this is your first win at the Gator Nationals. What will you look back on and remember today? Woo! The first win at Gator in my career, and I hit them all. But uh, I'm just very blessed, very humble to be here. But these fans that showed up today, I lost a really good friend with Larry Hudson a couple weeks ago and tried to honor him. But uh, we get to do it here. His wife's here. So uh, real special for us, but we got Tony <laughs> Tony Stewart's first win in a in a uh, in a drag car, and that's pretty awesome. And uh, you know we got Dodge with the direct connection and the power brokers, and it just it's un unbelievable. But uh, my first win at the Gators, yeah, woo! That was Matt Hagen for those listening at home, uh, straight after Tony Stewart. So congratulations to them in in uh, in Funny Car. In Pro Stock, we had Dallas Glenn take the win in Pro Stock against Kyle Koteski. Um, really, really competitive um, racing in NHRA Pro Stock. It was great to see. Erica Enders, now can you believe this has reset the national record with a 6.450, but took the lose it was a whole shot win to her teammate Bo Butner so Bo Butner's uh, reaction time I think was a 0, zero 3 or a 4 uh, her reaction time was a 0 0.077 so left too much on the tree Erica which is so unlike Erica Enders the Erica Enders so really disappointing for her no doubt she'll be beating herself up well she is beating herself up uh, she's reset the record but unfortunately is on a lose so you know that championship is really percolating along at the moment and no doubt that that will be really tightly fought over the year and we can't wait to see how that one pans out in the coming in the coming 12 months we're certainly looking forward to it uh, well we're going to take a little bit of a short break here and we're going to be back with um, NASCAR from Phoenix Raceway in Arizona right after this Welcome back to the Talk and Power podcast, episode 136. I am on my own for this podcast. By the look of things, I don't think Simon or Todd will be turning up for this episode, so you'll have to bear with my, just myself on this one. I am your host, Nick DeChambry. 
in NASCAR, we had a, um, it was a 312 lap race at uh, Phoenix Raceway in Arizona. It's really interesting to see the variation in lines. And what I mean by that is racing lines. Uh, we saw, love him or hate him, Kyle Busch, uh, pioneer really in many ways, came out with a completely different line on the first lap. And by the end of the race, pretty much the whole team was, uh, the whole all the cars, sorry, were racing that line as well. So it's really interesting to see. It's getting way, way down on the apron. And, um, you know, at first, you know, a lot of people would have thought, even the commentators thought it was quite unusual. But by the end of the race, uh, everyone was doing it. There's a good photo on their Facebook page, which illustrates this. Um, so the winner on stage one, so the race is divided into basically three stages. The winner of stage one was William Byron. That was 70 laps. Uh, yeah, by the start, the restart of stage two, everyone was getting low on that apron. So, you know, it was really interesting to see. Stage two winner after 195 laps was Ryan Blaney. Really good to see. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. had a massive lick of the wall and tyre failure was his was his belief, the cause of that. Interesting to see Kyle Larson. We don't see too many engine failures, but had a loss of power with 74 laps to go. So they'll be they'll be pretty disappointed with that at Hendrick Motorsport with the with the fact that that car wasn't able to, to finish the race. Uh, 11, 11 laps to go. We had more, more cautions. Um, really interesting. I think the tyre is certainly an issue with with this with this new car so we've as we spoke about previously on the podcast we have found that the car is the, the cars the new generation cars are running a new tire a low profile tire and a much much bigger tire of course and what i mean by the height of the tire so the rolling diameter is 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 larger uh, in terms of the rim as well so really interesting to see i don't think the new cars have adapted to the new rim and tire combination all that well and we're also seeing a number of cars bottom out uh, especially when they're getting down on the apron so it was really interesting to see that kyle was prepared to go down low on that apron without knowing um, whether that was going to bottom the car out but um, clearly by the end of the race uh, given the fact that everyone was doing it the cars were fine to go down on that apron they weren't bottoming out too much however in saying that we're still getting a lot of cars just you know stepping out far too easily and and licking the wall so it's going to be really interesting to see uh if they're going to make changes to these cars and get them more reliable and, and tracking straighter and better. Um, yeah, time will tell on that one there. We, we really don't know. I think it's still too early to say. Uh, but it's been very interesting. Anyway, as I said, 11 laps to go. We had more cautions. But on the restart, Chase Briscoe was really out on his own. That car was just way too strong. I haven't seen a car drive out like that on the rest of the field for some time and uh in the end he took his first win in the nascar top tier uh in the number 14 ford mustang with the mahindra tractors on board um so he has become now the 200th different winner for for nascar so congratulations to chase briscoe uh they interviewed him at the end of the race and as they said as he said you know seven years ago he was um kind of out in the wilderness um 
sleeping on people's couches and here we are seven years later he's one in the top tier of nascar so congratulations to chase in the number 14 uh ford mustang he was a big tony stewart fan growing up as a kid so it's quite kind of fitting that he won in the number 14 uh on the same day that tony stewart took his first win as uh, owner in nhra funny car so congratulations to all those guys uh it's a job job very well done Look, we're going to take a bit of a break here and uh, we'll be back with more of the podcast right after this. Okay, the Talking Power Podcast, episode 136, still solo here. My name is Nick Chembury, and I am your host for this podcast. If you're listening to us on 88.5 FM, a big cheerio and uh, hello to everyone in the podcast world. Wherever you're listening to us around the world, let us know. And if you are listening to us in different parts of the world, let us know how um, if you watch the round two of the Burson Auto Parts Australian Top Fuel Championship. Now, this was from Sunny Mildura, regional Victoria. And I must say a big congratulations to not only the competitors, not only to the track staff, but to all the people that attended the event. Um, Regional Australia needs events like this and it was the first time the top tier of the drag racing motorsport world top fuel went to Mildura and it was awesome to see um, two times champion three times champion really um, Phil Lamartina uh, he is from, well, he's not from Mildura. He's about an hour away from Mildura. Uh, he ended up winning the event. Let's just watch the final here, or have a listen to the final here. Huge race all the way to the other end. Massive, massive show. It's the Hollywood story. It's the fairy tale. Fox Dragster. Bill Lamartina, hometown kid, done good. Three races from three, three, one, nine, six at 416 kilometres an hour. Put your hands together, make some noise. What a final. Look at the crew down there. They are so excited, jumping around, and they need to celebrate because it's not only a win for Phil Lamartina, but for Shane Olive to get his first win in the in the team as well. Run the lowest ET of the weekend in the eight mile. Phil Lamartina now gets the win. He probably doesn't know at that point because look how close that was. 11 thousandths of a second, and they're doing over 300 kilometers an hour side by side. So congratulations to, to Phil Lamartina there, reset the, the track record as well. And uh, that was in the A final. So Phil Lamartina came up against Wayne Newby. Now, so the guy in the other lane uh, driving for Santora Posada, uh, his team, like, you know, I, I won't say arch enemies. That's not that's not correct. We Everyone works together in this sport. But they are, you know, they are a very, very formidable opponent. And, um, you know, latest, latest technology on their cars they had two cars at the event mind you so did phil lamartina shane olive was driving the other carrot king car and um it was great to see so in the a final was phil lamartina as against the wayne newby phil winning that one there uh, the b final was peter zuberus and um damian harris west australian damian harris damian was in the other santo reposada car um 
it, it looked like that one was a kind of a funny B final that one because the timing did not work on Peter Zobris's side of the track. However, he was gift he was given the win, but on replay his ET well his ET wasn't indicative of what that car will do. So um, they went back and looked at the video footage, and it was clear that Damien Harris had won that. So that that has come through, and uh, it was Phil Reed up against Shane Olive in the C final and. Uh, it was really interesting to note that that Phil Reed was actually the top qualifier of this event, and uh, lost in the C final. So you know, Mildura it was eighth. It was over the eighth mile. It was a great race. It was um, live streamed on Seven Plus Media and also Facebook. And uh, it was a six-hour telecast, six and a half hours. It was really great TV. Thousands of thousands of people attended the event. And uh, I just found it to be, you know, a really, really good show. In the lead up to the event, the organisers had done the Thursday night. You got to hang out with your favourite top field driver at the Gateway Pub in Mildura, and that was there was an you know car show held at the same time there from 7 till 9 p.m. there and the top field teams were all there. So I think that's a really great way to involve the local community and fans that are travelling to the to the event as well. So and and I must congratulate also the commentary team in particular Chad Nalen he's from Western Australia as well really did a magnificent job interviewing uh, all, all the all the crews and and the and the teams let's have a listen to his interview here with the um, event winner Phil Lamartina and that was a serious homecoming when he got back and it's been a long wait for you in Top Fuel as well your first win since the return to the sport as well. It has been a long time coming, and to do it in front of your home crowd, Mildura, make some noise for Phil Lamartina! Got it done! Yes! From the outhouse uh, out into the penthouse. I, um, first of all, got to thank all the crew, and when I, when I mean the crew, I mean on both teams. You know, we're sharing a bit of data, and it's just looking really good. So, um, congratulations to Shane for his first uh, round win. Uh, set low ET took me <laughs> took my uh, track record, which is I'm really happy for. And thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Shane. And um, to all my family up there, friends, and um, everyone that come out to um, to watch to see what we do. And um, that was just for the record. That was an awesome show. <laughs> and uh, got to take my hats off to the my other fellow competitors. You know, they um, took them a while to dial it in, but uh, there's you know the six smartest uh, tuners in the country out there, and um, they're just all making it happen. So fantastic, fantastic for me. I think I might have taken, you know, a big chunk in the points for the championship. And uh, yeah, commiserations to Newbie and the Rapposadas. But uh, man, oh man, I like it. it's just a dream come true. What, what you know, first time back after Johnny Farnham, you know, the comeback king. Um, and uh, to do it here, like seriously, like I don't know, I don't think we could have planned it any better. Amazing, amazing. Here comes Wayne Newby right now. I want to get you in front of your team here as well, mate. Come around. Let's get the... Anyway, really great interview there from Phil Lamartina as well. This and so that's his home track, even though he lives a hundred k's away. That's his home track, and a lot of locals would have been really happy with that result. And uh, I think not only is he the winner, but I think you know I really hate to use this cliche, but I think drag racing and drag racing fans are the winners here. And I can't wait to see these guys at the Perth Motorplex uh, in the second weekend of April. 
That is going to be the 8th and 9th of April. You'll get to see those top fuelers here in Perth, Western Australia, in the flesh. So make sure you attend that event. That is the Andrew Graham final as well. We're really looking forward to that. We're going to take another break here, and when we're back, we're going to be talking more MotoGP. Uh, the season opener has happened. In the, it's happened, I know, it's happened a little while ago, but uh, we haven't had a chance to cover it yet, so we're going to cover it right now. Season opener from Qatar. Right, welcome back to the Talk and Power podcast, episode 136. For those that watch the MotoGP from Qatar, I think that really uh, typifies MotoGP and the season that we're going to be looking forward to. I think no bookie in the world would have backed Enya Bastianini's uh, win there, and it was his maiden victory, and it was in honour of his um, team boss that, uh, you know, sadly passed away uh, last year. Uh, Falstor uh, died of COVID-19. His wife, uh, Nadia, is now running the team, the Grassini team. And for him to win in that fashion, I think it's the stuff that fairy tales are made from. And I just love the mix of of the 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 podium basically so we had the ducati this is a satellite team ducati satellite team we had the ktm come in second brad binder's ktm and paul sprago uh, his honda has come in third what i was really pleased to see was this the new aprilia they said they're going to be pretty formidable and and that they are the new aprilia uh, alex sprago he came in in fourth place mark marquez in fifth so mark marquez led for a fair bit of the race but um you know, sort of come off the pace a bit there. It's great to see a mix of teams mixing it up in, in MotoGP. And Qatar, always, you know, a little bit of a funny race. It's the first race of the year. So we're not going to read too much into it. But I think there's some exciting things ahead of us uh, in, in Qatar. And, you know, we're looking we're looking forward to a season ahead of us. That's it's, I think it's going to be exciting. And as much as I know Simon talks up... Um, MotoGP, but I think he, you know, when you look at it, you have every right to. So it's it's an amazing sport. It is very good, and uh, yeah, really excited to see how this season pans out. All right, supercars. Uh, I know supercar event has been some time ago, but we're just going to cover it here as well because, we, again, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Uh, the Saturday night race, um, Anton Di Pasquale got polled by a small margin over Shane Van Gisbergen. A uh, lot of a lot of bashing going on in the in the in the field, and I found it really interesting. Um, the introduction of the super soft uh, tire I'd really like to know what your thoughts are on the on the super soft tire and what you thought how it went and um I, I found i don't know if it was the track or the conditions but you know the super soft and the soft i didn't there is really no notable difference in pace on the car so Perhaps the conditions of the event on the Saturday night lent it to that as well. It was very humid, but yeah, we didn't see a really major difference between those two tyres. Um, you know, as I said, um, track limits became a bit of an issue. Will Brown got a warning there. Um, we saw some really some banging of door handles on on the main straight as well. We saw Andre Hahn Garner, in my view, unnecessarily whack Thomas Randall down the main straight. 
Scott Pye, really, really difficult for those guys. Team 18, um, they're still having mechanical woes with that car and the power steering failure. They just left a lot of oil and debris on what was a hot, humid night. Uh, there was pending rain coming as well. Uh, really caused some discomfort for a lot of the other drivers as well. So we saw a lot of the tear-off strips being removed. Um, but the, probably the most interesting story from the weekend was not so much on the track, but was off the track. And we've since found out that Dave Couchy, um, well, he really became the center of attention at Grove Racing. So the former Triple Eight engineer, uh, he was he was the engineer for Shane Van Gisbergen's car. He was contractually obligated to take six months leave from from after his departure from Triple Eight. Now there's some debate about that, and uh, he's turned up at Grove Racing. He was actually there for testing in Winton and uh, and at uh, Queensland Raceway as well. So he didn't hide the fact that he was working, and it's still within the six month period. So Triple uh, Eight are taking legal action against uh, Dave Couchy. They believe he's in breach of his ongoing contractual obligations. It'd be interesting to see how that one goes. Um, at the end of the day, the only people that win in those situations are the lawyers. But, you know, Dave Couchy obviously believes that he's either done that time or he wasn't paid in that time. I really, we, we really don't know. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. So anyway, in the end, on the Saturday night, we had Shane Van Gisbergen win in the in the Triple Eight, uh, sorry, in the 97 uh, Commodore. Anton Di Pasquale come home in second. Chaz Moster in third. Really good weekend for Chaz. Will Davison in fourth. And Brody Kostecki, good WA boy, coming in fifth. Uh, the Sunday afternoon, it was really interesting, completely different race really in many ways Shane Van Gisbergen had really poor qualifying and was way way down on the grid um, and then we saw again the, the silly games going on uh, sadly there was a little bit of rain in this in this uh, in this race uh, it caused a number of drivers to panic one of them in my view Shane Van Gisbergen panicked quite quite badly and uh, decided to make the call himself and come into the pits Traditionally in motorsport, you kind of leave that to the to the crew to decide, or you know your engineer to decide whether you're going to come in and pit for wets. Uh, that said, I mean if he was not in a position to drive, he felt the the conditions were were getting worse. Uh, but on the radar, they certainly weren't. Uh, he's gone off. He's had a little off, and then uh, demanded that they change to a full wets. So his poor qualifying position, coupled with this happening to him, had him almost two laps down. To his credit, Shane Van Gisbergen came back and unlapped himself and finished in six spots. So that I think that is a, a very good effort from Shane Van Gisbergen. Um, we also saw, you know, some silly games going on between Jack LeBrock, uh, uh, Hazelwood, and 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 um, Brock Feeney. Really interesting. I think they were sort of sizing Brock Feeney up. It was his debut, and I felt that young Brock in the in the Triple Eight Commodore did a magnificent job. So congratulations, Brock. Uh, I think you held your own, and I don't think you will have too many guys picking on you in the future. It's clear that you know that some of these guys were. Not, I don't want to say targeting him, but they certainly weren't making it easy for him. And um, yeah, we saw a fair bit of contact between him and, and LeBrock and Hazelwood. 
The real interesting one was the post-race uh, crash between uh, Todd Hazelwood and Mark Winterbottom. On the slowdown lap uh, after the chequered flag, we saw Todd and, and um, Mark come together and they both went off. Look, there was no damage to the car, but, you know, clearly Todd, he's like Bambi, he's a really lovely guy, was very quick to apologise and, um, yeah, basically... Um, Mark Winterbottom wasn't having a bar of it, and uh, his body language wasn't the greatest. And unfortunately, you know, um, you know, there was no damage to the cars, but there was probably a lengthy cleanup for both vehicles. They had ingested a number, a bit of dirt, mud, and grass as they went off. Also, really interested to know what people's thoughts are on the debut of the Premier team. We were talking about Peter Zobris before. Uh, Chris Pither and Jacob, Gary Jacobson, I think, did a magnificent job in there. Those guys are no slouches in the car, but these cars are fairly new to the to the the team is fairly new to the sport. The cars are Triple Eight prepared cars. I think they did a magnificent job. They've got the sponsorship deal together at the sort of the eleventh hour, and um, I think that, you know they've done a, a really great job. But uh, yeah, I'd be curious to know what our listeners think out there. So let us know. Drop us a drop us a, a message or a, an email and let us know what you thought of uh, Peter Zyrus's day debut in supercars to my knowledge he's the only man to basically do top tier of uh, drag racing and the top tier of supercars so congratulations to him i think he's doing a magnificent job and he's going to be no doubt very busy in the coming the next 12 months that's for sure one of the talking points sadly i think was um for all the wrong reasons anton di pasquale uh, whacking the wall in a high-speed drift celebrating his third place at the end of the race. There was a, a reasonable amount of damage done to the vehicle and a lot of people felt that he just shrugged it off and thought it was part of the, you know, part of the show and pageantry. What they didn't tell you was basically um, that car was being used the following day for a drive day where they take corporate guests for a drive in the car around the track. Um, the team had to spend most of Sunday night repairing that car because there was a fair bit of damage to the front left-hand corner of the vehicle. So, I don't know. Tell us what you think. I think, you know, if he had worn it and and had fronted up and said, yeah, I made a really bad mistake there, but he and I shouldn't have done it, um, but, yeah, he kind of shrugged it off as, oh, well, you know, that's just what happens. And um, I don't know. I just, it, it didn't, it wasn't a good look for the sport. I think you can all enjoy a drift. Um, but if you get it wrong and you whack the wall and damage the car after a race, I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't sit all that well with me. But let us know what you think. It could be just me. I, I'm, uh, I could be the odd one out here. I think the major talking point for the event, however, should really be Chaz Mostert's dominant win, especially in race two. Uh, ended up coming home with the win there and really kind of unchallenged in my view. Um, that car was on rails for the majority of the weekend. There's been talk for some time now that this is their bogey track. Um, you know, Walkinshaw, Andretti, United Racing's bogey track. Um, Optus, sorry, I should call it Mobile One Optus Racing now. Yeah, didn't see that. Don't, don't, don't buy that anymore. Um, that car really drove away from the rest of the field and was very, very Triple Eight like. But um, 
you know, it just says something about Chaz Mostert himself and his, uh, you know, he was able to, even in the wet, it was really interesting and unpredictable race because the weather came in and it, 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 you know, we saw a number of different strategies evolve there. But at the end of the day, if you have a driver that is confident in in the wet and was able to do a few laps with his with the dry tyres, even in the wet, uh, and allow the car to stay out there a bit longer so it falls into a particular uh, pit strategy I think that's a that's a great thing um, but in the end you know he was really unchallenged and he is now going home with a lead in the championship he's currently sitting on 279 points Anton Di Pasquale on 267 points Shane Van Gisbergen in third 252 points Brody Kostecki in fourth 249 points Will Davison in fifth 216 points it's a great weekend and uh, I think you know it's a sign I, I was a bit I felt the track was a little bit boring we had you know multiple events at Sydney Motorsport Park at the end of the at the end of the um, 2021 season and to kick off their supercars is um, contractually obligated to commence the events in New South Wales and uh, Newcastle was no longer possible due to COVID restrictions so um, it had to start at Sydney Motorsport Park or Bathurst but uh, they chose Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, Look I mean I I think you know, when you finish the most of the season, I know we finished with Bathurst, but prior to that, it was four rounds at Sydney Motorsport Park, and then to start there again, yeah, a little bit, bit, bit ho hum. But at the end of the day, I think the drivers and the new teams and the makeup, the you know, the new makeup of some of the different driver changes, uh, you can look past that, and uh, I think it was uh, a, a really great race and um, exciting times ahead in in supercars. Well, look, I think that brings this podcast to an end. Uh, My apologies for having to listen to myself for the entire episode. Um, Unfortunately, Simon and Todd are not available and uh, haven't haven't shown up, but uh, I I hope that they're okay. I'm sure that they are, just I know that they're quite busy with different things at the moment. So, look, uh, we're going to end this podcast here. Uh, We'll promise to bring you more content from the three of us in the coming episodes. Um, but we yeah we hope to see you soon. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Really appreciate it. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on eighty-eight point five FM, the Valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.